This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Skipper Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. It's three defeats, but we are still upbeat. Well, kind of. It's the warm-up episode 114. It's Brady and Tom. It's the Middlesbrough preview. And this week, we're joined by EFL expert Gab Sutton. Gab, welcome to the show. Uh, lovely to have you on. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks, Brady. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Um, me and Tom are certainly going to have to up our game. Uh, Tom, how are you doing anyway? Sorry to put you down there at the start of the show. I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad, you know. I mean, I, I was... Pleasantly surprised by the performance on Saturday, so I'm quite upbeat, I guess. Here, here, and we'll come on to that later. But yeah, no, it, um, it's as good as you can feel after a one-nil defeat, really, I suppose. But um, yeah, looking at this one, it's a tip to tea side for the Terriers as they host Middles, uh, don't host Middles, they pay Middlesbrough. I nailed my tease there. That's why I was getting confident. Um, <laughs> yeah, Middlesbrough, a team backed by many to at least make the playoffs, but like Huddersfield, they've lost the first two league games and currently sit at the bottom of the table with four goals conceded and none scored. So. Huddersfield fans, you think we've got it bad. Um, that's what the situation is for them after two games. Um, obviously, town fans don't have to go too far back to see the last time we played Middlesbrough. It was about a week ago, uh, Borough won 3 <laughs> 2 at, <laughs> in the Carabao Cup at the John Smith Stadium. Um, interesting one with that as well, because I think a lot of people felt we did okay in that to say we had 10 men for most of the game. So, but yeah, um, Gab, I'll come to you first. I'll give you a nice, sure. easy question for the first uh, for your debut. Middlesbrough lost 3-0 to Coventry at the weekend, so I'll give you a nice question to get you on side with the town fans. Is there anything to make from uh, their start to the season, or is it too early to tell with just the two games in? I think the main problem for Middlesbrough in both the games they've had against Millwall and, and Coventry is that um, I don't think they've struggled so much to create chances uh, or to have some good passages of play. And, you know, I don't think they've been way off it in, in either of their games, but it's clear that they've not got a, um, a goal-scoring sort of focal point, if you like. Um, I would have thought they'd needed to have added a striker whether or not they sold um, Chi Rakpom, um, who's obviously got all the goals for them last season. He's now gone to uh, to Ajax. Um, 
Uh, and um, yeah, I think that they just very much look short of uh, of a real goal scoring presence. I think if I look at um, who they had up top at Coventry, uh, they um, uh, it was sort of Morgan Rogers as a sort of number ten, and they played Matt Crooks. He's a midfielder by trade. He did play up top at the start of his career, um, sort of going back to his league two days, but. You know, I wouldn't necessarily consider him a top six championship centre forward. Um, and I suppose it's slightly surprising that Middlesbrough brought in all these players. They've got a lot of attacking options and a lot of sort of creative, exciting players in their squad, but no real goal scorer. So I would suggest that from the Huddersfield perspective, this is actually isn't a bad time to play them because I would expect them to bring a striker in in the last couple of weeks of the window. And from that point, it's possible that things pick up for them again. So not a bad time to play them, I think. Oh, that's music to our ears. Tom, uh, we know Neil Warnock as well likes to get one out on his old teams, especially one that he feels has wronged him, which he I was at the town hall thing. He certainly made that clear with Middlesbrough. Um are you are you encouraged by that news and their mixed form? Um yeah, I mean I think um, we'll hear that in the uh, the fan chat with Johnny. We know how much he loves uh, Neil. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, I think they'll be worried because they just know what kind of character Warnock is and how he, he seems up for it against teams that maybe feels a bit wronged. He's been wronged by in the past kind of thing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think, like Gab says, it's it's almost is a perfect time to play him. Um, I think there's already a bit of nerves kicking in up there, like no goals yet in the league. I know they got the free past us, but it's that cup and mm, town. Absolutely. What it's town are terrible in that cup, aren't they? So it's, it's town and town are terrible in that cup. So yeah, um, so I I think it's a they're at home. Pressure will be on. They'll think town have had a bad start as well. They'll, they'll be thinking they can win this. So it's it's not like Leicester where we can be thinking nothing to lose. But I I think you can. These types of games, you can play it in your favour if you if you do things at the right moment. Like I said against Plymouth, Brady, it's like as long as we don't concede early on, um, and <laughs> then we did. But it's one of those if we can keep them quiet, get them get them on the back of their own players, then um, you never know. The other thing, just to add to what you said there, Tom, is there's a lot of pressure on Middlesbrough as well, which I maybe hadn't sort of explored, uh, but. Um, they lost their first two games. And if they lose a third one, you're all thinking they're already going to be, what, six points off the top six and seven points off the top two. And this is a team that was probably expecting to, to challenge for the top two this season. So I think there's a lot of pressure on them to get to get this result right. Yeah. yeah I Sorry, Brad. I was going to off the back of that, Gab. I think I saw someone mention, if, if you take into account last season, Carrick won't have won a league game in, I think it's seven um, at this point or something like that. So mm. I saw a stat like that. So you, the pressure might start to mount on him a bit if he if he doesn't pick it up a bit as well. Yeah, possibly. I suppose it's over two seasons, isn't it? Um, yeah. But um, I think um, Carrick probably has a lot of goodwill in the bank because there was a significant turnover um, from, from when he took charge around October last season. They, they were actually sort of just above the relegation zone when he took charge and they absolutely shot up the league. And at one stage, it looked like um, they were going to challenge Sheffield United for automatics um, and obviously just missed out on that. And then they kind of found themselves in the last month of the season in this position where they're comfortable playoffs, they're not going to get autos and Mm. I think form just naturally drops. But then when they went into the playoffs, I suppose they didn't have that 
it's a cliche, but I'm going to call it momentum to kind of go into it with. Um, and um, I think that, yeah, it's important that they sort of shake a bit of that malaise um, sort of as, as quickly as possible because, yeah, results have been disappointing. Mm-hmm. And, and Gab, you touched on the, the kind of lack of um, a goal scorer at the time. You know, we, I think we kind of all saw with Chirac-Pom, they wasn't sure about that, so they've kind of left him at the side and that is confirmed, as you mentioned. But are there any other weaknesses in that team you know, looking at the start of the season so far that you think town fans could look and be like, mm, you know, maybe we could exploit that. Yeah, I think um, it'd be interesting to see how Senny Dieng gets on in goal, because although he's clearly um, um, had previous seasons as an excellent goalkeeper, um, I wouldn't necessarily say he's come, come to Middlesbrough in the peak of his form. Um, he's going to uh, bring good sort of distribution to Borough, but I'm not sure he's necessarily in in peak form in terms of shock stopping. And then I think the fullback areas are interesting. And I, I, yeah, again, I come back to it. It's funny because they've signed a lot. Of, it's not like they've not signed enough players this summer. Um, I think they've brought in seven or eight. And yet you look at the fullback positions, I think they might have um, you know a couple of injuries and things like that. But they've got um, Paddy McNair, who's sort of shifted over to right back. Um, and then they've got Coulson at left back, who um, probably wouldn't be in there first 11 in other circumstances so it feels like they're a little bit short in there at the moment I'm not sure quite what the state of play is in terms of returnees and whether you know whether the squad might look different on Tuesday night but I would think instinctively that's probably an area to try and target oh no good to hear good to hear well um yeah you're getting me too excited for this so uh you know (laughs) we need to bring some realism because it is Huddersfield but Tom let's distract ourselves because I think I heard the the figurative you know the metaphorical linesman he's uh pointing his flag for a corner which can only mean one thing what's what's it time for Tom oh it's time for history corner isn't it Brady Tom's history corner so the town versus Borough, I think the, the last two teams we've played, surprisingly, we haven't played them that much, but we've actually played Middlesbrough 101 times by my, my calculations, Brady, which is um, quite a lot of football, isn't it? Um, town have beaten Borough 35 times, drawn 21, but come out losers on this occasion and, and we, uh, we've lost to them 45 times in our history. So the first ever meeting was back in 1920s. Um, and Borough won 2-0 there in front of a, a crowd of over 35,000 people. Um, and it took Town just over two years to record their first win over Borough in the history, where Town won 2-1 at Leeds Road. Um, it was really interesting, like, it's a bit of swings and roundabouts. So Borough had a, a pretty terrible run against Town from 1961 to 1985, where uh, Town only lost three times to Borough, um, mm. winning 10 times and drawing 10 times. Um, and then it flipped in 1986. Um, Borough took the charge and Town only won on four occasions, I think. Um, and Borough won 15 and drew three. So that was a, that's been a pretty, that's up until now, it's a pretty terrible run, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, here's a quite uh, interesting one in 1957. There was the highest scoring game between the two teams where Town lost 7-2 in a Division 2 clash that saw Brian Clough score four goals for Borough. And it was whilst Bill Shankly was managing town. Um, so, yeah, I uh, don't know if that helped with him getting that Liverpool job, that scoreline. But um, then played for both. Quite interesting, quite a few. A lot more recently, I think. 
Um, you got obviously we've already mentioned him, Matt Crooks from Town Academy originally, and he did play up front for us for a bit, Gab. But yeah, he, I think that was one of the reasons why he ended up potentially being shipped out because I don't think he he uh, saw his potential further back. Um, Adam Clayton, beautiful beard at Town, beautiful beard at Borough. Um, we've got two promotion winners from Town, Tom uh, Tommy Smith and Martin Craney. Both played for Borough, Jordan Rhodes, um, uh, and there's someone else I was going to think of, but I've just forgot it. Oh, Lee Peltier. I totally forgot that he went to play for Borough, um, which I thought was quite quite an interesting one, Brady. Lee Peltier. I feel like he's he's fishing around somewhere still these days. Is that Rotherham? Rotherham, yeah. yeah. I don't know how he's still going. He feels like he's been playing football for like 30 years. Um, and then Mick Kennedy who missed out on promotion with town by three points. And then the summer after, in 1982, he moved to Borough for a fee of £100,000. Can you think of any others? I can't. I'm I'm more recent, you know me, so Tommy Smith's the obvious one and Matt Crooks. But yeah, no, you covered them. Martin Craney, good player. Underrated, I think, at town. Did a job. Underrated. And I'm just going to bring in one more little section for History Corner. We can maybe add a jingle to this. Has Alan Lee scored against Borough for town? Yes, he has. He scored in the beautiful 2-1 win that misty night when town came from 1-0 down and Alan Lee popped up and scored that beautiful 86th-minute equaliser. played for Rotherham, didn't he, Alan Lee? He did. He Big did. sense forward. What a legend. Welcome to this podcast, Gab. <laughs> Listeners, but we don't have a section with Alan Lee anymore. How will Tom possibly shoon on in? Shoehorn in Alan Lee. There you go, right there. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, no, that's good. Uh, so we've heard, heard from us and what we think about Middlesbrough, um, but it's time to hear the fan phone in. So, Tom, I'm going to come straight to you. Uh, you Again, you spoke to Johnny from the Borough Breakdown, didn't you? I did. I had a good chat with Johnny from the Borough Breakdown, and here it is. Hello, this is Tom Bradshaw, and you're listening to the Fan Phone In. Hello, caller. Tell us about your team. Hi, Johnny, mate. Thanks for coming on. Um, what are the positives that you take from last season coming into this one? Um, so what positives do we take from the previous year? Um, there was a lot of positives. I think Michael Carrick and what he did with the squad that we had to get us in the position that he did was absolutely amazing. I think when you look back to the October-November time where Borough were in the relegation zone and then to go on that insane run and then to bring in some really good players in the January window just to fall short um, in the playoff semi-finals was a little bit disheartening, but I think overall it was a, a fantastic season. Yeah, Carrick really showed what he was about, didn't he, uh, last year? Um, so what what are you kind of looking forward to going into this year with a full season under under his belt? This season, um, I'm really looking forward to just seeing what we can do under Carrick this year under a, after a full season. Um, obviously, we've lost like four or five loan players who really contributed to how good we were. Obviously, Cameron Archer, Aaron Ramsey, Ryan Giles... Um, Zach Stefan, I think they're all really good coups for us, but we have reinvested and you know there's still some players to come in which I think will excite fans even more. I think Lucas Engel, who's just came in uh, the left back, who's a, a very similar profile to Giles, 
Uh, Sonny Dieng is exactly the same to Zach Steffen. Ideally, I would love Cameron Archer to come back, but if he, he probably won't. Um, but I think there's plenty to be excited about. I think we've got a young squad, a good manager, a good team and a good base. So fingers crossed um, we do all right. I know we have lost our first two league games, but it's still time. We can still go on a run and that hope, that excites me a little bit as well. So touching on that squad and what you've brought in so far this summer, um, who are you who are you most excited about? Who's your favourite player that you've got at the moment? My favourite Borough player has to be Riley McGree. Um, he is absolutely amazing. He plays on the left-hand side. He floats across the central and the right-hand side of the pitch and he helps make Borough tick. Um, I think what you'll see with him is that it's just his creative ability is just insane where he's able to get himself in a really good position, create a chance for someone else and then also he's got a cracking left foot. He is able to hit a volley and score screamers. Pretty much every season he's got an insane highlight reel. I feel like when he, he's old and grey and he's showing it to his grandkids, they'll think he's probably better than Messi but it's just insane what he can do with his left peg but yeah, he's definitely my favourite. Well, it all sounds quite exciting, that does, Johnny, from a Borough perspective. But given the start to your season, two defeats, first time in a while that's happened for Borough. Um, what do you actually think of Carrick? How do you think he's going to cope this season? Obviously, yeah, we have lost two games in, in the league the first time since 2007-2008. We did, obviously, of course, beat um, Huddersfield in the club. Yeah, sorry to, to bring that back up. Um, but Carrick's great, you know, I think he's still finding his feet in management. He's having to change things around this year, obviously given that we, he's, he's had to rebuild a, a squad again, um, which we're still doing. Um, I think he still has to make fine tweaks to the system that he's doing. Obviously, we've played a little bit more narrow in previous games and I feel like that's benefited the opponent more. But, you know, he's still got plenty to learn. He's got a really good coach and staff around him. I think Aaron Danks is probably the best coach in the league. Um and I feel like he can learn so much from him. So yeah, I'm I'm massively positive about Carrick. I feel like he'll do well and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be in the playoffs again in the summer. Playoffs, big shout, mate. Um I mean you've already touched on your squad, you think you've recruited pretty well, but who who do, who are you really excited about who you've brought in? Who is gonna push you on to those uh, those playoff positions that you're hoping for? Interestingly, my favourite summer signing is someone who signed today. Um, it's actually Lucas Engel. Um, he's came from Silkeborg in uh, Denmark, and he is the exact same profile as Ryan Giles, but can defend a little bit better. Well, statistically, he's better defensively than Giles. Um, he looks like a really good coup for us, and I think given that we rely so heavily on on wing backs going forward and trying to stretch teams, He's just the perfect fit for us. So I'm very, very excited to see what he can do in a Borough shirt in the next few weeks. He'll probably be starting his first game against you guys. So fingers crossed, it's a good signing. But if I couldn't pick him, I think it'd be Sammy Silvera. You know, he's the, he's a winger, uh, came from uh, an Australian team and he just looks really, really promising. Um, we have made a number of signings so far this year who look like will be good signings in maybe two to three years. But I think right now, uh, Sammy Silvera is the one who is probably the pick of the bunch. Yeah, Silvera uh, looked very good against us. There was a lot of jealous town fans watching on that night. Um, and having to head for a drink afterwards, I assume. Um, so, speaking of drinking, where is the best away pub if we're, if we're for any town fans who are coming up to Borough on Saturday? 
for pubs, uh, for away fans, there's a couple. Um, obviously, last season, normally, there was there was Dr. Brown's, but I feel like they might have shut. Um, but hit the bar's really good, but I'd recommend Play Brew. It is a little bit further away from the ground, um, but it's we are obviously sponsored by them on our podcast, so it would be uh, bad not to push them, but really good uh, port, like bar. It's uh, essentially... Uh, and full of IPAs, really good environment, and it'll be open on, on Saturday as well. So, yeah, that's what I'd recommend. Sounds great, mate. And um, you've always got to plug those sponsors, haven't you? <laughs> so, anyway, um, let's get to the brass tacks. What are your expectations for this season? My expectations for the season, I do think we'll be playoffs. Um, I think we'll go on a bit of a run after about 10, 10 to 12 games in. I think naturally, as we're still trying to build the squad, things are going to start slow. We have lost quite a lot of players. Um, but the last couple of games, we haven't been particularly great. But I think once the players have came in, they've bedded in as well. I feel like we're just going to go on a run and we'll just click. Um, so hopefully that will happen. Um, we can even go two ways, to be honest. I think we'll either do really, really well and recruitment will be a masterstroke or we'll finish like 10th. Uh, so it's like one of those things this year. But hopefully, fingers crossed, we get playoffs. Well, good luck with that, mate. Um, big ask. It's always a big ask. I think it's a very tough league this year, so it's going to be really interesting to see where everyone finishes up. And finally, let me ask you your prediction for Saturday. Predictions for Saturday? I really hate Neil Warnock, and I hate him so much because he comes to the Riverside every time and he always wins, and it really annoys me because... The football is not amazing. It's just like he somehow has our number and it's just really annoying. Um, but I will take anything. I will take something like us going off someone's backside and going in and we win 1-0. I would take anything. So, But I'm going to go with a 2-0 win. I think we'll hopefully put up a good performance and then they'll relax a few of the Borough fans and we'll finally beat Warnock again. Uh, well, guys, thank you very much uh, for having me on. Um, we'll speak soon. Cheers, Johnny. <laughs> um, and I will leave you with this uh, lovely new Warnock anecdote from Saturday afternoon. Well, if any fans are disappointed with that, they need locking up. Well said. There we go, Brady. Uh, lovely chat with Johnny, as always. Yeah, he's a good lad, is Johnny. Yeah, I have a lot of time for him. Um, cool. So, um, well, I've realised I've kind of messed up the schedule there, but let's let's move it out. Um, Gab, is there anything town fans should look out for? Um, should be worried about with Middlesbrough because we've talked about the weaknesses, but um, you know, like you say, this was a team that finished comfortably in the playoffs. Yeah, of course. Um, they've got a midfielder called uh, Dan Barlaser. Talking of Rotherham, uh, he's uh, uh, came from them last back in January. Uh, he's kind of a bit of a deep line playmaker. He'll keep things sticking over. Uh, and then you've got Hayden Hackney in there. He's full of energy. Um, Silvera as well is a recruit from Australia. Australia, he's got an exciting addition on the left. And then Isaiah Jones uh, is a very direct right-sided player who he loves to run at opponents, so you'll have to make sure that your left-back's um, on, on his guard. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, Jones didn't necessarily have the best season last year, but in 21-22, he was sort of one of the best players in this league, so he'll be looking to recapture that form. Yeah, definitely. We saw that in the Carabao uh, Cup mm. victory for them. They, he ran us ragged. Headley actually fouled him for the red card. So, yeah, mm. no, uh, I'm not looking forward to seeing him. Um, Tom, you, you, you're you from the uh, Leicester game. You were slightly encouraged by the performance, but 
are you are you concerned about Middlesbrough as well? Like, you know, I do think they'll be looking at this as something where they can get their season up and running. Um, yeah, they will be, and I, I think I think what you could think is quite promising. From what I remember last year, Middlesbrough did carry football. He does like to build from the back, doesn't he? And and keep possession as much as possible. I think. Um, we did really well against Leicester, them doing... I mean, it was one of those ways that Town pressed just at the right time every time. It was like, if they need the ball, there's nothing going to happen, let them have the ball. Sometimes that frustrates teams more than anything when they've just got the ball and can't do anything with it. But the times we pressed and put them under pressure, I think if we can replicate that, if we're pressing at the right time on Saturday, it could it could be really effective for us. I think um, you just... Can't put anything past Warnock. I mean, he's been in this game so long. He, by now, he should know tactically how to beat <laughs> almost any any setup. So, um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Just on that, Tom, um, I was reading a piece in the Examiner from Stephen Chicken, and um, he's talking about the impact that um, Warnock has had on Josh Garoma, where previously you might have considered Josh Garoma something of a luxury player, and then here he is sort of running around charging into tackles, and I guess he's kind of, he's been Warnockified, if you like, because uh, he's sort of, you know, he's found that edge to his game, so if you can combine the, the quality that he's got with with that aggressive edge, that sounds really exciting. But I suppose just an example of the impact Warnock can have on players. Yeah, I think what, uh, like you mentioned about Jones Gab as well, kind of going off it last year. I think Town had a really similar situation with Sorber last year, didn't they, Brady? So mm. it'll be it'll be interesting to see Sorber under under Warnock for a season, and if he can, because I think last year, I mean Sorber obviously seemed to fall out of favour with managers or potentially just fall out with managers um but like I, I also think there was a bit of potentially other teams almost sussing him out and it, mm. it's um I wonder if that also happened with Jones to a point last year and it's one of those can 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 both managers find that next kind of phase to these guys careers because they both got something there it's just you you can't be a kind of one trick pony and and be consistent at this level can you yeah. And it was really interesting, like talking about Sober. I was listening to one of Neil Warnock's press conferences, and he he was, you know, typical Neil Warnock. He can say things that other managers just wouldn't be able to get away oh, with. No, yeah. Um, yeah, he mentioned about how Sober Thomas can fall out in a room with no one else. So it's <laughs> kind of maybe gives you an idea. Um, but, you know, I think it was clear he fell out under favour with Mark Fotheringham, and, you know, um, hindsight, you know doesn't win the war, but uh, I think I would have backed Sorber Thomas over Mark Fotheringham, it's fair to say, but mm. I think you're right, Tom, like, Sorber seems like that kind of type of character who uh, needs his arm put around him and that man management, because we've seen sec- the at the end of last season what he did, uh, what Warnock did with Corona, and I, 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 I'm like you, I feel, yeah, I feel like Sorber could do the same and maybe we could see something. I think he's looked all right as well, to be honest, in the game. I, I think uh, that's really interesting you mentioned that, Brady, because for me, um, the the crucial difference between Warnock and Mark Fotheringham is that uh, Warnock has different tempos of man management, if you like, because I think with Fotheringham, it feels like he's going to be very go very hard on his players, be very disciplined. And it felt like almost that was his only way of working. 
And whereas with Warnock, don't get me wrong, he can be really angry at times and he's very upfront and he, you know, uh, calls players out and, and this, that and the other. But he also knows when to have a bit of a laugh and a joke as well. And I think that that way of kind of being able to relax people and then being able to focus them and sort of dance between those two mm. um, sort of ways of working, I think that's, um, that's clearly a real strength of his. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, who would you rather be managed by? Mark Fotheringham or Neil Warnock? I think, uh, I think everyone <laughs> yeah. would have the same answer for me. Um, but yeah, no, no, that's interesting. That's a really good point, Gab. Um, but yeah, we will come on to the, the listeners' interesting questions uh, because it's time for Kwana's question. A few things, the things change, but also a lot of things are still the same. So uh, this week why, we why asked Kwana, you... by the way? Because yeah. uh, Colin Colin Kwana, do you not remember? Yeah, I know, I know Colin Kwana, but like it seems very random. Came the only, only town player has got a Q in his name. I think Gab is the, the only no, reason okay. we called it Kwana's question. <laughs> no, come on, Tom. There's a much more intricate reason. Why he came off the bench at Sheffield Wednesday in the playoffs semi-final and get an assist, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's, uh, well, I don't want to say anything that could get us into trouble, but I think he's uh, he questioned certain things in terms of, uh, yeah, can, you know, uh, questioning, you know, certain certain things that uh, perhaps is against the mainstream media, if you like, I'll leave it there. Anyway, but, um, the question we asked. Yeah, we'll move swiftly. <laughs> question we asked was um, when did a former Huddersfield Town player or manager come back to haunt you while you were at a game? Because obviously, Tom, as you mentioned in the play for both, there's quite a few t- uh, players and, and a manager there. Um, so I'm going to read out the listener responses and I'll come to you both. Um, so Sean Mackin says Kevin Sharp turning around as they were setting up to defend a corner and grinning and laughing at the town fans as we were losing 6 2 to Scunthorpe. A town fan chucked his pie at him. Um, you've upset someone if they're throwing the pie at them he wouldn't have minded but it wasn't his favourite (laughs) flavour Clive Wadsworth he says Jordan Rose hat trick for Blackburn March 2014 I hated that that was um, yeah yeah. Jordan Rose and uh, I just loved this one because it was just the name and it was just Cameron Steele and saying Lukas Jukovic yep um, yeah, it's. Do you know what's so funny about that, Tom? I feel like Lukas Jukovic is such a town striker now, but we mm. had him at the start of his career. Do you know what I mean? I feel like yeah, yeah in your late, like mid to late thirties. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he, he. What did he do? He threw his shirt at Lee Clark, didn't he? When he when he was brought off after something like thirty minutes mm-hmm. in a game, and that was. I think he put, did. He play a couple of couple of games on loan, and then that was it. Yeah. And then he's there's always been, yeah, there's always just been that bit of, yeah, I think he's got a bit of anger against town because of just that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Tom, I'll, I'll come to you actually. What uh, What's your example of a former town player or manager coming back to home? Uh, Rhodes is gutting, isn't it? That one, that mm. made me feel sick, that one did. Um Butterfield, I mean that that was I've, that was kind of fair play to him. The one where p- promotion season where I think did we draw with Derby one all, um, and town fans were just singing how fat he was all game, and he got. I mean, but that, see, this is what I think, right? I never join in with the booing or the chanting against the former player because inevitably they score 
they score a goal against you, I have an absolutely amazing game. So I completely avoid that, no matter the circumstances. And it was like the whole game just absolutely laying into Butterfield. Yeah. For, uh, basically making a mistake of leaving town. Because, I mean, what what happened to him after? Like, he was the next thing, wasn't he, in the championship when he was at town for some reason? I mean, he had a great start and then just rubbish. So, um. And then I thought of one that isn't kind of related. I mean, it's quite funny, actually. Um, do you remember when Adam Clayton scored for us against Leeds? Whilst mm. Warnock was managing Leeds and he ran all the way to the halfway line and did that Adebayo knee slide in front of Warnock because Warnock yeah. shipped him out. <laughs> we lost that game, didn't we? <laughs> we, did. Yeah. we did, but it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> yeah, that was um, No, my one, I, again, I just, I'm with you. I don't I don't join in, like, particularly, I think the example I always refer to is, you know, in the last, last dance with Michael Jordan, how he's like, I needed something extra that like I'd make pretend mm. like beef with other players to, to get me hyped. And I just always think of that, like you're just giving them an extra motivation to do well and prove you wrong. And um, Alex Pritchard for me last season, I went to that game against Sunderland. Just, I just, I knew it was coming. They were just giving him dogs abuse all game. It was a really tight game. It's weirdly, I don't think Sunderland played that well in that match either. Um and they were just giving him stick all game, and who opens the score? And it's Alex Pritchard, and goes straight to the crowd, and mugs. And it's just like, there's nothing you can do. And what always makes me laugh is like the fans then get really more annoyed, and they're like, yeah. you know, start swearing and get really angry. And it's like you have caused this. <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have brought this yeah. on yourself. <laughs> um, well, I've got uh, I've got a couple of, uh, that I'd like to to add. For, firstly, from the point of view of um, giving players stick, and you know, naturally they're going to score. Blues had this thing with um, the Villa player um, Gabriel Agbonlahor, and mm-hmm. uh, there are a few games running where he. would you know, score the winner. Uh, but blues fans, we used to, we had a probably quite an inappropriate song get about him, but we'd always sing, we'd always sing about him. And we could, you know, you could see that it kind of got him riled up and he ended up scoring all the time, um, which was really, really annoying because it was like late winners and stuff. And then the other one was <clears throat> Robbie Savage because Robbie, we, uh, we absolutely adored Robbie Savage for Birmingham because he would just cover every blade of blast. He would, Blast, brass, even uh, he'd run everywhere, um, and uh, you know, always putting in challenges, and absolutely loved him for it. And then he went to Blackburn, and there was a bit of deceit over that because he said that he wanted to live near his family, and his family lived in Wrexham, and Birmingham's actually nearer to Wrexham <laughs> than, uh, than than Blackburn, so there was a bit of. Um, and uh, obviously, as you can imagine, when he, Robbie Savage lined up to play against Blues um, towards the end of the 05 06 season, um, you know, sang a lot of rude songs about Robbie Savage. And naturally, you know, that got him riled up and he ended up scoring uh, scoring a late equaliser. And then he was just running uh, running off and celebrating wildly. Um, and then I think uh, we ended up, did win, ended up winning that game. So we kind of had that last laugh. Uh, but but it was um, it certainly created course a bit of uh, cause a bit of drama that's for sure. <laughs> I always think of and, and Tom will, Tom will know the podcast I'm referring to, but uh, it's Roy Keane talking about how he was going to sign Robbie Savage, and then he <laughs> it went to voicemail, and it's the yeah. what's up from my yeah. <laughs> I'm not signing this guy, not <laughs> um, which is fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, you know, Roy Keane, I wouldn't mess with him. Um, but yeah, we will. Um, 
I think we'll go to our kind of half-time break. And as I always say, uh, when it's half-time, normally, depending on how town are doing, if they're doing bad, I, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to admit I might nick down a bit early, get myself uh, to the bar for refreshment. Um, while we have an ad break, don't forget you can get 10% off all our online orders with the code AHTTC10 at magicrockbrewing.com. Um, yes, because uh, it's an away game. So why don't you get them ordered in for the trip up if you're going by train? There you go. Right, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Huddersfield very, very shortly. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win... Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We're back from the break, but we're not going to look at the Huddersfield Town men's team just yet because we've got a little chance to speak to Huddersfield Town women. Yeah, that's right. It's a preview within a preview episode. Is that preview-ception? I don't really know. Um, Listeners, if you have a better name for this, please do get in. But um, anyway, let's focus on the task at hand here. I caught up with Beth Ibbotson, one of the Huddersfield Town women's players, ahead of their opening match this coming Sunday, the 20th of August, against AFC Flyde. Um, I spoke to Beth just to see how pre-season's been going, how they're feeling ahead of the new season, how they think they'll get on, and interestingly, asking her about what support the club has received since Kevin Eagle took over the club. Um, and it's quite interesting to hear. So um, here it is, about five minutes, give it a listen, and um, if you do want to attend... You can go down this coming Sunday. Kickoff is two PM, and uh, I will be there. Some of the lads will be there. So why don't you come down and support the women's team, especially while we're playing away at Middlesbrough? Hi, Beth. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, so the new season kicks off on Sunday for Huddersfield Town women. How's your pre-season been going? It's great to be on here. Uh, thank you for having me and for giving us a platform to have a voice. In terms of pre-season, I would say it's been quite challenging, but rewarding, I would say, at the same time. We're building a new team and we've shown the talent we possess, which is evident in some of the results we've had. But it's also been quite tough. Uh, we've had some heavy results, uh, but ones we've learnt from. And from the analysis, hopefully we can use the feedback to improve and take this into the season starting on Sunday. And how are you and the team feeling ahead of this new campaign then? As a whole, we're just excited to get going and to see what we can produce. Uh, it's obviously widely known that a lot of teams uh, in the North Tier 3 League have signed some top players and have received increased investment. So each team is going to be very different from last season, meaning that everyone's going to have to figure out each other at some point. Um, so that makes it very exciting and, and hopefully it'll be competitive throughout. Some may suggest that uh, 
we are underdogs in comparison. However, I think that can actually work in our favour. A few of the girls actually the other day were mentioning how they're actually looking forward to the challenge and me, myself as well, I'm going to throw myself right into it. And of course there will be nerves, um, that's normal, but we're a hardworking team with a lot of quality and hopefully we can cause some upsets this season. So yeah, um, really looking forward to get start, started on Sunday. Good to hear. So what does success look like for the Terriers this season then? I think success, to be honest, will come in many different forms this year. I think arguably um, the North Tier is the most competitive it's been for a very long time. And so it's of most importance um, that we ensure that Huddersfield Town women are in Tier 3 next season. And our target would be to finish higher than sixth, which we achieved last season. I think you always want to beat your previous position in from the season before. Uh, and in terms of cup competitions, for sure, a target of ours is to retain the county cup. Um, and reaching the fourth round of the FA Cup and, and potentially playing a WSL team is always um, a target of ours. I think it's a great occasion. And getting to the finals of the League Cup would be a successful start to rebuild um, the identity we've got going, which is another perspective you could look at. I think success would would come with um, the team building an identity, uh, badging into what Glenn presents us and implementing that on a match day. We know match day income is important to any team. And having fans attend and fill the stadium as much as possible is really important to teams. Um, for those who are unable to attend the games, how can they support you and support your teammates and, and the club as a whole? Yes, like you say, attending the games is a big way to support us uh, and it enables us to engage with fans as well and to show what we can do. Um, there are other ways um, to help support the team, including individual sponsors, but also um, for each men's home game, 100 tickets have been allocated um, to us that we are selling on. So they're £10 for adults um, and £5 for child tickets, with all the funds going to the women's team to financially support us. Uh, we're on a mission to sell as many as possible, and by buying these tickets, it helps us, but also makes it cheaper for fans to go watch the men play, giving more people the opportunity to do so. There is more information on this on uh, the Huddersfield Town Women's social medias, which if if um people were to follow those as well, that would be great support for us. No, really good point, and um, we'll put it in our kind of description for this episode and also put some stuff on our socials because I think it's good to... Uh, point people in the right direction to where they can follow the team this season. Um, so yeah, finally, my question, last question is, we've we've had your teammates mention uh, on the podcast last season about a lack of support from the men's team in the past. Um, since then, obviously, we've had the new owner for the for the men's side, Kevin Nagel, take charge of the club. Um, I was just wondering, have you seen any changes um, since that change of ownership? I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but just curious to to hear if there has been any changes. I have seen some promising changes already. Uh, meetings have been taking place over the pre-season and we have received funding which can cover costs such as player travel and kit. Uh, so there has been progress which we're thankful for. But unfortunately at the moment the support is still limited as the, I know the men's team have um, their own situations to resolve before they can fully invest in the women's team. Uh, so there is a still a lot, there is still a lot of work to be done and a stronger relationship to be built between the f- female and uh, male counterparts of Huddersfield Town. Uh, but hopefully soon, full integration of the two teams will take place and there will be full financial support which can help the women's team flourish. Because I think the increasing profile of the women's game just shows how important it is for the men's team to invest in their female counterparts. 
And we hope that Kevin and the rest of those associated with town men can see how important it is to invest all they can in Huddersfield town women to help us move forward and eventually integrate into a part-time or even, a be- even better, a full-time regime. This is the goal for us anyway, and I'm hoping this is something the men are aiming for too. Perfect. Thanks, Beth, and thanks for taking the time to speak to us today, and best of luck on Sunday. Okay, cool. So we're swapping over. So let's talk about Huddersfield then. So ahead of the recording, uh, we asked the listeners, uh, do you feel more positive about town's start to the season? Uh, it is three defeats, but we, you know there's been some positives to take from that. So um, I'll read you out the uh, the results of our Twitter poll, uh, and then I'll, I'll ask uh, Gab and Tom what they think. So the three options were feel more positive, uh, feel more negative, or haven't changed my opinion. So uh, what one was actually, I feel more positive, 57.3% of people feel more positive despite the three defeats to the start of the season. 8.7% feel more negative and 34% haven't changed their opinion. Um, so Tom, which camp do you sit in with this one? Um, oh, ooh, it's a good question, Brady, because I think if I'm following on from how we were playing last year, I probably haven't changed my opinion because I, I thought... I just thought Warnock set us up so well. Um, I think I'd feel a bit more positive if I if we had a bit more squad depth. If I knew that there mm. was just because the one thing we that struggled with last year is those injuries we got, and then we didn't have anyone to come do, in. Do you not feel like, for me, to my eyes, you've actually got squad depth? It's just that I don't know. You've maybe not got good squad depth, I suppose. Yeah. So then, yeah, Gab, that's what it is. I mean, there's there is those backups, but there's not there's not any kind of there's a lot of young players in this team there's a lot of young players in this team who who need to be playing with those experienced pros and when you really look at it in the midfield you've only got Jonathan Hogg I mean you've got Danny Ward up front looks like Jordan Rhodes is leaving um potentially I, I feel I feel Hoggy's a bit of a um bit of a spent force nowadays sadly Look, I mean, what is yeah. he? What is he, Brady? 32? 34th, even. Yeah, so look, yeah. Hot, hot, we've we said this, we've said this pretty much every podcast, I think, that they've got to bring in someone to fill the gap between Hogg and your next experienced player down, who is probably Kasumu, who is mm. 24, 23. So, like, that's that's not, that's too big of a gap. When you when you I mean the lads did so well last week. I thought Diara was absolutely brilliant. Mm. He started like, the season well, hasn't he, Diara? Yeah, yeah. So I I'm in that. I, I'm in the. I think I, it hasn't changed, Brady. I do think people are saying they're more positive, and I would say a factor of that is the Warnock factor, which is a good thing because look, I I'm not nervous at all simply because Warnock's in charge, and I've been. These performances, although we lost to Plymouth, I thought we played well for 70 minutes. We just had some really bad little moments. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've not changed because I was quite positive at the end of last year. Mm. No, I'll, I'll ask Gab shortly. But, yeah, just, just from the fan, I, I haven't changed my opinion either. I, I think it's encouraging when you can you know, put in a performance like we did against Leicester and ultimately it's just a mistake that is the reason we lost that game. Um, and, you know, we had some chances, I think, of that Helic one where he hit that shinder over the bar. You know, if that's any other, you know, if that's an attacking player, you'd like to think that's at least on target. Um, I think that's it. It's that we've talked about it a lot, but it is the quality. I think that's the thing. Our starting 11 is actually okay. Um, 
But as we've kind of said, although DR has been really good, mm-hmm. you know, Ian Harris looked good in spells. Carl Hudlin's looked good in spells. I think it's really, yeah, yeah, surprisingly. Okay. Sorry, he's, he's come off the bench and looked looked all right. Yeah. Um, well, you, you're surprised, Gab. We're surprised too, in fairness. But <laughs> I think this, although we've got a really experienced man manager and he'll know what to get out of these, I think it's asking a lot of Neil and youngsters. You know, I mean, some of those players haven't played more, haven't made a championship start or played more than 10 games in the championship. And I think they're, ideally, you want to be in a situation where anything they do is a bonus rather than having to rely on them. Mm. Um, so I kind of, I haven't changed my opinion. I, I think we're not going to get the kind of listless performances we we got last season before Warnock came in. However, I do think if we have those additions in the window, which it sounds like, I mean, Kevin Nagel tweeted that we can expect some incomings this week. So, um, I feel like that will, you know, that's the issue. We do kind of get to 70 minutes or whatever. And, you know, I don't think we've got anyone who can change the game or who's going to score. You know, I think I think that's it. We The performances are a lot better. Um, mm. And I feel they will be at the same level. But I think it's just having the people to take the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, but Gab, what about you? You've yeah. seen anything that's kind of changed your mind? Because I know you um, tip for the sure. I mean, certainly um, performances of Diara first two games, I think, are a big positive. He looks like a really exciting, uh, lively ball carrier. So I think that's that's great. Um, <clears throat> although um, I think he played really well against Leicester and uh, and went toe-to-toe with them. So f- fair play to you for that. Um, I, I still think over the course of the mid-season midfield is a bit of an area where I would have a slight question mark because you've got Diara in that number 10 role. And I think if you're sticking with Rodoni as the other midfielder, I think he's still got that um, uh, inclination to really press on uh, like like he's got the freedom to kind of thing, uh, because previously that's kind of the role that he's played at Wimbledon. Um, and uh, and so I think that it's really important that that other midfielder next to Rodoni and behind Diara, um, I think can A, carry a lot of ground and put in a lot of challenges because otherwise you end up with a massive chasm where if Hogg doesn't feel he can be as aggressive as he used to be because he's getting on a bit and you've got Rodoni and Diara really high up the pitch, that can create a big sort of vacuum, which I felt like, I mean, with um, Romani Edmonds Green started at Plymouth Argyle, I felt like we saw a little bit of that Mm. um, at home park. So uh, that's kind of the area that I would look at from an outside position, sort of think, you know, is there... Can David Kasumi maybe step up to, to Hogs mantle and, and sort of be that person that carry covers the ground and, and is aggressive and because he's someone who can carry the ball up the pitch as well. But I think that destructive, athletic, disruptive, uh, destructive presence I think could be really important. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, that's uh, I think that's kind of where the fan base are at. Like they yeah. they sit in the midfield and um, Gab. I suppose. I... There's been a lot of talk. Sorry, Tom. I'll ask. I'll come to you yeah. shortly. But there's been a lot of talk about striker and the need for a striker um, in the fan base. Do you do you see that gap? Do you think Town need to uh, add there up front? Um, I think Danny Ward had a great season in 21-22, and um, so I'd be reluctant to go against him. Um, on, on that and, and maybe it's worth seeing what you can do under Warnock but maybe um is it possible you need another another option up there um who, who are the other strikers you've got by the way just um remind me well it's probably uh Kean Harrett and Carl Hudlin so youngsters really because he, okay. he started the Carabao Cup but I think everyone was quite surprised about that I think the the rumor is he's gonna 
leave before the end of right. the window. So. Yeah, maybe another striker then could could be could be needed, but uh, maybe just if if only just to really push uh, Danny Ward and give him give him another option because obviously it's a big step up for Harrit and uh, and Hudlin. And if Ward got gets injured, would you want to be putting all your faith in those two? I think that would probably be more the question that I would ask more than Ava Danny Ward, possibly. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And Tom, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. You now have your, the floor is now yours. What would you like to say? It's all right. I was just um, going to go off the back of Gab there and say, I, I do think Kasumu is that answer mm. to to step up when Hog, I mean, to take that role of Hog, but... Just the problem with Kasumu is he just... I mean, last season he did end up putting a really good run of uh, games together. Um, but it's it's kind of hap- it's carbon copy almost last season, isn't it? He got injured right at the start of last season and was out for a few months and then came back and uh, took him a few games to kind of put his name in the ring to be a bit more consistent in starting. So, But I do think he's the answer, but it's like, I think, like we're touching on there, Gab, that there's got to be just someone else who who can slot in when mm. when you know you've got a player who, I mean, historically, even at Milton Keynes, he was um, he got injured quite a lot, didn't he? That was that was the one thing they said to us. It's like great player, but he, he's prone to pick up an injury now and again. So it's like you you've got to have those backups, haven't you? And uh, Reg, unfortunately for Reg, I just he just looked off the pace. And that against the team that's just come up is that's just a little bit more worrying, I think. Do you think there's money in the budget to go for someone like Johnson Clark Harris at Peterborough? Oh, I'd like to think so. I, I doubt it though. Um, I mean, yeah. we have cleared the decks quite a bit, haven't we? To be fair, Tom. Yeah. Um, who knows? There's, there's a few names in League One that I I think you could spend what two to three million on. And you'd be getting a very good player for for a good few seasons, and then then there's the potential of selling them on again, maybe as well, kind of thing. So mm. I like Sam Nombe at Exeter. Mm. Oh, okay. Tell tell us a bit about him, Gavin. Yeah, he's a very um, uh, City fans won't be happy with me saying it. Um, <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's a very athletic centre forward. He's full of running. They've got a good leap on him. Um, I think he scored a few goals as well last year right. and he can, can provide as well. So I would say that's that would be quite a good option to bring in and rotate with Ward and Harrison Hudlin. There you go. There you go. Um, well, well, you know, we if uh, any of Tan's transfer gurus are listening, here you go. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll give you some players. Um, cool. So, yeah, I mean, we're going back to the, the game on Saturday then. Um what do you kind of make of this, Tom, from from a Huddersfield perspective in terms of the contest? Do you think we need to change our approach really from Leicester, or do you think we no? You're quite happy with what you saw. I'd I'd pretty much be sticking with the same the same setup. I mean, I mean, you might tweak it a little bit because you're aware, be a bit more conservative. But I think the way Town Town played on um, on Saturday was great. I'd probably if it if it's nil nil in the games getting a bit more stretched I'd, I'd maybe bring if you know there's that there's that those opportunities in there I'd be bringing the likes of Harrett and, Hud- and Hudlin on just that little bit earlier I think maybe um, but other than that no, I don't think anyone had a bad game I, do you know who I'm really liking the look of is um, you're the right back I've just forgot his name Edwards Tom, Tom Edwards Tom Edwards yeah I'm really liking the look of him I think I think he's turning out to be he's reminding me of Tommy Smith a bit 
mm-hmm. like really kind of just reliable, reliable, solid defender who can get forward and do some stuff. But do you know what I mean? His bread and butter is actually being able to defend, mm-hmm. which I think as a fullback these days is a dying art sometimes. So um, I quite like the look of him now. Just such a shame with Nichols in it on Saturday. It's like Mr. Consistent, but he's to be fair to him, he's saved us so many times. You can't, mm. you can't expect him to be, um, yeah, a hundred percent all the time. Um, yeah. Because I mean that, I mean he makes the, makes the save in the at right at the end, doesn't he? And um, he's almost mad at himself for saving that and not, not the one that goes through his legs. Um, but I won't change. I probably wouldn't change the squad to be honest, Brady. Me. No, no, that's interesting. And uh, yeah, just touched on Nichols. Um, Stephen Chicken made the good point. Nichols actually had that start last season as well, didn't he? Like he mm. dropped in a, a couple, like, I think it was, it might have been Hull or, or Cardiff or, or both. But then, yeah, just absolutely fine afterwards, wasn't he, mm. until he got injured. So we'll let him off. Like you say, he's saved us so many times. So be yeah. interesting to see how he reacts without Clem as his uh, goalkeeper to coach, though, potentially. Look at look at you trying to cause some drama with him. Well, yeah, let's see. Good little podcast you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, Gab from uh, Huddersfield viewpoint. Then, how how do you rate their chances for the for the game on Saturday? Um, I think, as I say, I think the timing of this game is um, pretty good for Huddersfield. I think you're coming off the back of a really good performance against Leicester. Um, Middlesbrough, I think, have issues up top. So while they've they've not been far off in recent games, they've still not got that kind of missing piece of the jigsaw and a couple of question marks over the fullback areas as well. So I think the timing is fairly favourable, but obviously in terms of quality, I think, and depth as well, I think Middlesbrough maybe have a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, well, I suppose I suppose we're kind of getting to the end end of this game now. So uh, I'll come to mm-hmm. match predictions. So I'll uh, I'll jump in first. I feel like this is going to be point classic. We'll take a one all draw away from home, and we'll get a point on the board, and we'll be happy with that. And they'll kind of be happy with that. I feel like it's that. I'm going to go for Pearson to score from a from a set piece as well. But I misheard you then when you said I'm gonna go for a piss. <laughs> no, <right. laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not very professional. I'm gonna go for Matty Pearson to score. but yeah, what about what about you, Gabby? Are you gonna give us a score that we're happy with or are you gonna take the piss? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go for 1-0 to Middlesbrough. Okay. Oh, look at you being accurate and predicting. Oh, no. um, who, who? Well, I suppose we don't. We, we are doing a prediction this year, so we'll see We'll see if you're right. But uh, I hope you're wrong. So, uh, But yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, Tom, what about yourself? Um, look, I'm, I am only going off the fact it's Warnock away to Borough. So I think Town are going to win this 1-0. Um, okay. And I think it may, you know, it'd be even more classic Warnock if he brought on like Kyle Hudlin and he scored winner. So yeah, let's go for that one nil and Hudlin. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, John Johnny would be absolutely fuming at that. He really would. He really would. Especially when I told him in the cup game to watch out for Kyle Hudlin, and then he was messaging me like, "Oh yeah." And then he scored right at the end. I was like, he still scored. Consolation, but he still scored. Okay, um, okay cool. Well, we've we've uh, 
I've just heard we're headed into extra time on, on this podcast, so it's time for the mailbag. You've got mail. So, uh, Gab, when our listeners were coming on, they were very excited to, to have you on. We've got quite a few questions, so I picked a, I picked a couple here. But Mark Harrison asks, how does Gab have such an encyclopedic knowledge of the EFL, and what does he think needs to change for town to stay up, having tipped us for relegation? So you've got two questions in one there, Gab. Yeah, um, I think first of all, just I'm lucky enough to spend my time researching this because obviously um, writing about it is sort of my full-time job. So naturally, if something's your full-time job, you naturally find more time um, to, to sort of research things. So um, I guess that's that kind of answers the first one. In terms of what Huddersfield need, I'm as much as I've praised um, Neil Warnock as a um, motivator, and I still think that some of the qualities he's had throughout his career are just timeless. Um, there's also a bit of me that thinks it's probably slightly different technique coming in, in with 15 games to play, lifting everyone, using your man management qualities, whipping a team into shape. I feel like Warnock can do that at 74 with his eyes closed. But I think overseeing um, a full season, the big rebuild that the club needs, um, the demands of the job for you know for more than just a, a third of the season, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a lot at his age. So there's part of me that has some concerns over that. Um, obviously, picking up on what Tom said about maybe um, not enough quality in depth. Um, you've got sort of Hudlin and Harrett as your sort of backup centre forwards behind Ward and um, although they've actually done well so far this season um, I'm not sure they've necessarily uh, sort of uh, fired on all cylinders at lower levels so I maybe have some question marks over them uh, at championship level so um, yeah I'm not 100% sure about the squad and how much of it is up to championship level and I feel like there's a few players who I'm not sure are a championship level I feel there's a few players who are you know, it's too early to tell and they're maybe at an early stage of their careers. I think there's a few who are maybe past their best as well. Um, so all in all, I have doubts over whether this Huddersfield squad is quite up to it. Um, so then you need Neil Warnock to to be the, the Neil Warnock we all know and love as opposed to a more sort of aged version of him, which I suppose is the more realistic, um, more realistic likelihood. So, um, yeah, I'm a, a little bit worried. No, I, I think that's fair. I think we've we've expressed um, some some doubt on the podcast too. So um, yeah, that's fine. Um, but you know, um, people do love Neil Warnock, and sure. I won't go against him. But yeah, no, I think that's a really fair point. Um, and we've kind of not to bomb everyone out, but I think we've maybe seen that in the transfer window this so far with us just getting a lot of short term deals while we uh, the new owners get the fear on the ground, which is you know fair enough. What um, do you think of the new owner? If you don't mind me going on a slight tangent, what do you think of um, them so far? Um, I, I well, it's interesting. I quite I quite like him. Um, I think he's you know he's trying to um, embrace himself and you know in the culture, and I think he's done a good job. And you know he, he replies to a lot of fans online, and I think there's positives and negatives to that. But I think you know certainly he's made himself very open and approachable, which I think is. Mm. Is good, and that's kind of what we used to at, at Huddersfield previously with Dean Hoyle, you know, in the yeah. heyday. And um, yeah, no, I, I think he's good. I think the the kind of thing, and we'll see. And I think this is the thing we kind of need to be patient. And they've they've communicated this, which I think is good. But we've just had a lot of owners, you know, Phil Hodgkinson, who mm -hmm. um, was in charge, and then Dean came back. I think we've had a lot of 
a lot of good talk, and I think this is kind of the period where we do need to see action because we flirt with relegation a lot. Um, so I think it's just you know giving them a bit of a bit of time um, to to see that, and I think you know I'm under no illusion. I've said it on this podcast that I think we we do need additions by the end of the window, otherwise we are going to struggle a lot this season. And I yeah. think you know, we should see them, but. Um, yeah, no, I think he's made. He said a lot of the right things, and I think what's quite interesting is he sees a lot of potential into making the match day experience better. Which, um, you know, not this is probably for another time, but I think certainly you look across Europe and other stadiums, and I think Town and you know, there's a lot of things Town could do to make the match day experience. Do you know better. what? I, I always think Huddersfield Town are at their best when you go with that kind of German approach. Like when you had David Wagner as manager, but you also seem to have a bit of a German vibe as a club where it's like really affordable ticket prices and fans were really active, you know, during the game and creating a real atmosphere. Um, and then there was that real sort of... Um, bond between the club and fans. I think Huddersfield Town need that because that's what's allowed you to upset the odds in the past, certainly under under Dean Hoyle. Um, and I think that's, um, yeah, that's going to be really important because you're, you're not a club that can spend your way out of this league. Um, so you need to sort of get by with that sort of connection between fans and club. And yeah, hopefully you can find that under Nagel. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I think you're spot on there, Gab. That's, that's kind of, you know, that's that's how we can upset the odds and you know that's why we've been fortunate enough to see how the miracle of us getting promoted and us reaching a player final when really we you know historically have one of the lowest wage budgets in the division so we, we should be down there which we are when we don't have those uh light seasons that are kind of a bit of a red herring but tom what do, what do you think about the owner because uh i got put on the spot there so i'm going to put you on the spot <laughs> um i think i mean saying all the right things he's asking all the right questions Questions, but I mean, put it short and sweet. I mean, talk's cheap in it, Brady. We've, we've had that kind of. I think when Hodgkinson came in, it was a it was a lot of talk and then not a lot of delivery. Um, so, I mean, I I kind of trust this guy though. He's 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 currently running a club in America successfully, and really, there's loads of fan engagement communities. The whole thing there. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited about it. It's it's different, isn't it? Um, I'm as excited as I was when Hoyle took over the first time I think personally um, something different it could be a really good time for us as, and I think Gab you spot on as, lo- as long as as long as you stick to that kind of Hudders- the classic Huddersfields working class town it's mm. a community that's, that's, how, that's how you win it over here that's how you get the fans in that's how you create the spirit there the mm. the, fa- the fans all the fans want is that connection and the team that they know is going out there and giving their all and yeah. um, and nine times out of ten i think when you look back at our history when when the fans are with the players it works really well here so um if he gets that right it's good and then i just like you said brady making it, things around the stadium better, making the stadium better. They haven't done any... Some of that stuff they haven't done to the stadium since it was built. And what is it? It's nearly 30 years old now, that stadium. So, yeah, if they can just, just tie it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but, yeah, no, no, a really good question, Gab. Um, I've got another question for you. Uh, it's from Jay Bentley. He says, uh, it's going back to transfers because, you know, we can talk about match day experience and all things, but we want to sign lots of expensive players. Uh, so Jay Bentley asks, if we get a loan uh, in, what do you think Huddersfield need? Is it youth on the rise like 
maybe a Tino Andorin or a Ken Kessler Hayden, or do you think we need experience like a Martin Waghorn, for example? Um, Gab, what do you think Town need? Yeah, well, I think um, Kessler Hayden uh, has already gone to Plymouth Argyle, so mm-hmm. that one might be yeah, might be out of the picture. Um, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what sort of uh, route you, you go down. Um, I would maybe say. Um, it depends if you want to operate with a narrow back foot. I've got some reservations over whether Ruffles is quite up to uh, championship level. Uh, be interested to hear what either of you guys think. But I would, yeah, possibly look at a young, um, exciting, athletic left back, possibly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Ruffles is, um, he's been a lot better under Warnock. But I, I do think um, before that, he, he wasn't good. And we do have... Um, Jaheim Headley, who's, who's looked... Oh, yeah, I, I like Headley, actually. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah but I, I do wonder if he... Maybe he should be a bit further forward. I think he's more a wing-back than like your traditional mm. left-back. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a good point. Um, Tom, what do, you, what do you think we need? Because I think we've seen success when we've had, like, Levi Colwell, for example, or, or yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we've got a lot of... You know, I, I, the question I always get posed to when I say, like, oh, it'd be good to... Huddersfield can only get someone with that talent level if they lock out of the Premier League like youngster. Mm. Um, but I suppose the thing I always get thrown back is, yeah, but we have good young players. Look at Diara, kind of thing. Yeah, um, well, that's exactly what I, exactly what I was just going to say, Brady. I mean, like Headley, you brought up Headley there. I mean, Ruffles. I I don't think Ruffles is that bad, Gab. Gab, but I think. I think there's there is you still get a bit twitchy now and again when he's defending and he mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't offer too much going forward. He has he weirdly has a miracle one game every something like twenty where he looks like I don't know Trent Alexander Arnold done he's steaming mm-hmm. forward scores worldy goals for some reason. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just say I think sometimes we look we've got really lucky with some loans in the past, but. We've also had players where I've just thought that they're no better than surely what we've got. And if what's the point of having your B team, as it's called now, if you're not going to kind of give these lads a chance? I think Headley is good enough mm. to to give a shout. I think Ben Jackson is good enough to give a shout as a fullback. I think Osterfield is good enough to give a shout in the middle as well. Mm. Um, Do you know what? I saw him play at, uh, for, for Morecambe once or twice last season. He looks like quite a, yeah, a classy operator. He's got um, a nice uh, nice touch about him. So i yeah. uh, be interested to see if he gets an opportunity. There you go. There you so go. experience, that's my answer, sorry, to the no, question. Experience. No, we need, we've already said it, haven't we, Gab, today. We need some experience, especially in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Well, well done, gents. But yeah, no, that'll uh, that'll do us for the mailbag, and that'll do us for this episode. So um, yeah, Tom, thanks for coming on. Gab, thanks for coming on, and okay. um, thank you to all the listeners who uh, who tune in as always. Tom and I will be back to preview the next game, um, but we will end it there by saying to Tar for now and up the town. To town play up, bring the car back to order. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. 
Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.